Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to study together. We ask for your presence. We ask for your blessing, O Lord, that you would come and lead us and guide us with your spirit and teach us through your word, O Lord. Help us to see the truth as it is in Jesus and help us, Lord, that your spirit might apply the application to our hearts this evening, that we might grow in knowledge and in grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please bless us now, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for us to get straight into the text this evening concerning the story of Nicodemus. It's only found in one place, and that's in the Gospel of John. And we're looking at John chapter 3, starting in verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Who is Nicodemus? What do we know about him? Well, the Bible said there that he was a Pharisee. But he wasn't just any ordinary Pharisee. The Bible says that he was a ruler of the Jews. Now, who are the Pharisees? In our modern day, when people call you a Pharisee, it's not a good thing. But actually, Pharisees were well respected in the Old Testament and even into the early part of the New Testament whilst Jesus was alive. They were the members of the Jewish, Jewish sect that was noted for strict obedience to Jewish traditions. And so he's a religious leader. And he is also a ruler of the Jews. So he wasn't just any religious leader. He had a high position in the Jewish nation an honored member of the National Council. This is the sort of person that came to Jesus that evening, rich and learned. And yet he comes to Jesus by night. Why? Well, maybe he was scared of being seen in public because of the status that he had. And then he's coming to Jesus, who's this humble carpenter who had no religious education in the schools of the rabbis. And here is this man who's meant to be the pastor of pastors. At least he was definitely a pastor if he was living today. But it would have been humiliating for someone of his stature to be seen with Jesus, never mind coming to ask him questions or quote-unquote interview him, right? Maybe he just didn't, just didn't want to set a bad example because Jesus wasn't openly accepted yet. But look at how he addresses Christ. If we go to that text, it says there in verse 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. It seems like he's being polite. It seems like he's being formal. It seems like he's trying to make a good impression on Christ by addressing him as rabbi, as teacher. But actually, it's quite the contrary because that's all he calls Jesus. He just acknowledges him as rabbi. So even though his words are trying to praise Jesus, it really shows unbelief. He does not acknowledge Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God, except he just calls him a teacher. However, instead of getting annoyed by that sort of remarks or that sort of greeting, Jesus, he cuts to the chase. This is what we read in John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus tells Nicodemus that he has to be born again. And maybe right now you don't know what that means. And maybe even Nicodemus did not know what that meant when Jesus said it to him. And, you know, we'll figure out in a minute. But there is one thing that when you look at John 3 verse 3, that is very clear that Jesus implies when he replies to Nicodemus, he says what? that you're not born again, and unless he is, he cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. So what is Jesus really telling Nicodemus? He's telling him, Nicodemus, you are lost. You cannot in your present state see the kingdom of heaven. And that was probably pretty startling news, especially for Nicodemus, a man of his stature. Remember, He's not just any ordinary Pharisee. He wasn't just any ordinary pastor. He was the pastor of the pastors. He was someone high in rank in the church. He was a leader. And Jesus is pointing at him and telling him, you are lost. What a shock it must have been to his system. I wonder what Jesus would tell me if he was sitting across the table from me this evening. But, you know, sometimes when people tell you shocking news, when people kind of shock your senses, especially when you're trying to be nice, when you're you're the one that's seeking this interview with them, you know, we react in crazy ways. We say silly things. And this is exactly what happened with Nicodemus. Let's continue. So Jesus says, you got to be born again. You can't see the kingdom of heaven in your current state. And then in verse 4, this is what Nicodemus says. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's not that Nicodemus didn't know what Jesus was referring to. Christ, he was being pointed to him, but he was telling him he was lost. And so Nicodemus, he was feeling irritated. His pride was touched and cut, and uh, it was rising up, and he, he responds with this illogical response. How can a mother go, a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again, Jesus? How is that possible? He was acting dumb. But his response really just showed how much he was struggling with what Jesus was telling him and his assessment of him. Christ He wasn't being respectful as his position as a ruler. And he didn't respect the fact that he came out to look for Christ. He wasn't being hospitable. Nicodemus was shocked and his response showed it. But Jesus doesn't entertain his response. He doesn't go, "Uh, Nicodemus, why would you say such a silly thing, right? He doesn't even entertain the response that Nicodemus says to him in verse 4. And he just simply presses home the point even more that he says in verse 3. We're now reading in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it very clear, just in case you did not understand Nicodemus before, There is now no more misunderstanding at all. You've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. If not, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And he's not trying to teach a class what it means to be born again. He's looking at Nicodemus. There's no one else. The disciples, we don't know if they were sitting there in their presence. Most likely not. It would have been too humiliating for Nicodemus. So Jesus makes it very clear. He's only speaking to to Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, you are lost. In the present state, in the present condition you're in, if you are not born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in verse 3, it says you can't even see it. Never mind enter into it. So Nicodemus, who are you trying to teach? This is a humbling experience to Nicodemus. This is a man who's religious, religiously inclined, meant to be one of the religious leaders of the nation. And Jesus is stating a fact that should not apply to a man of his stature and position who is meant to be teaching religious principles to people. But he says, Nicodemus, you are lost through and through. But friends, what we want to look at this evening is how Nicodemus' assessment applies to us. When Jesus looked at Nicodemus, we have to ask ourselves, Can we see the kingdom of heaven? Can we enter into the kingdom of heaven? Am I born of water and of the Spirit that I can enter in? Not that we're trying to have any righteousness by works and work our way to heaven, but this is what Christ said. Unless these two experiences apply to your life, you're very far from the kingdom of heaven. Friends, what does it mean to be born of water? Let's begin there. And this one is very simple. It's water baptism. And that's just half the equation, you know. The water part was very clear because John the Baptist was already baptizing people, you see. And so we don't know if Nicodemus was baptized, but definitely he understood the concept. He knew about water baptism. He knew the application of water even in the sanctuary and what it represented because there was a big laver that held water there and they had to wash their hands and their feet, you see. And so... The water part, very easy. But you see, that's just half of the equation. Born of water, and then also what? Born of the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of Spirit? Let's go to a few texts, shall we? Let's start in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible says this, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Ghost do? What does the Holy Spirit do when we are born of the Spirit? Do you see a key word here? It is the word renewing. Renewing. When you renew something, you make something new again. Something that became old, now we're making new again. That's what the word RE means. We've done it before, now it's got to happen again. So we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. But what does renewing have to do with us? Why do we have to be renewed? Let's go to another text concerning the Holy Spirit. Psalms 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Here, that word renew is 
connected with another word. It's create. Create in me a clean heart. Something that we never had before. Now God wants to implant in us a clean heart. And that is done through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Renewing creating. God, He wants to give us a clean heart. The baptism is the outward, water baptism that is. He wants to baptize us with water and of the Spirit. He doesn't want just us to be born of water. That's not enough. We have to be born of the Spirit. And really, the water baptism is really the outward symbol of what's taking place in the heart. Just as the marriage ceremony should be the outward symbol when we have this big feast that's coming up, right? And a wedding and all of that. that That's just the outward symbol of what should be taking place in the heart between two people. And so it is with born of water and born of the Spirit. Baptism and the work of the Spirit in the heart. And why is the heart so important? Why the heart? That it has to be created new and renewed. Well, In Job chapter 14 and verse 4, the Bible says, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. You see, all of us were unclean, friends. Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 continues, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. When the Bible refers to the mind, it's referring to the heart, not this heart that pumps blood. That that just keeps us alive. There's nothing wicked, moral about it. You see that? So what, what the Bible is trying to tell us here, when God, He wants to make us be born of the Spirit, He wants to work upon the heart, the mind. This is where we have our issues. We have, we make God an enemy when we have a carnal mind. Look what else the Bible says in Matthew 15, 19 about our heart. For out of the heart proceed what? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. The problem with the human race is a problem not of the heart that pumps blood, but of the heart of whence all our thoughts and imaginations come. And friends, unless that is changed, unless that is created anew in Christ Jesus, unless it is renewed by the washing of regeneration, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how many times you're baptized in the water, that will not help you. There's no such thing as holy water. There's no such thing as water that is so different from the rest of the world that it has power just by dipping yourself into it and coming out, it will make you a perfect person. There's no such thing like that. Just as there's no such thing as if you have the grandest wedding on earth and spend a million dollars on your wedding, it will guarantee you a good marriage the rest of your life. There's no such thing. It's just symbolic. We got to look beyond the water. We got to read into the symbol of what Christ wants to do in each of our hearts. The fountain of our hearts must be purified if our works and actions are to change. And the only way for that to happen, we got to be born of the Spirit. But let's keep reading. Let's come back to John chapter 3 and let's keep going. Verse 6, 
that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You see, friends, in verse 3, when Nicodemus first comes to Christ, Jesus just simply says what? you got to be born again. And then in verse 5, he says you got to be born of water and of the Spirit. But then from verse 6 to 8 that we just read, what does Jesus focus on? Did you notice? In verse 6, at the very end, he says what? That which is born of Spirit. He doesn't talk about water. He says that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then in verse 8, he illustrates what it means to be born of the Spirit. It's like the wind. So Christ, he, he assumes, and I think it's a good assumption because he knows everybody knew what born of water is. But it's possible to be baptized by water. It's possible to be baptized into the church. It's possible to have been there for 20 years and never been born of the Spirit. Do you see that, friends? What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? Well, it has to do with our heart. But how does God change us? How does He make us new? How does He make us perfect? How can He create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us? How can He renew our mind so that the old man passes away and the new man, it it comes out new, created in Christ, just like Jesus? How? We don't know how. That's why in verse 8, it talks about the wind, the mystery of the wind. And not that being born again is a mystery. No, we're going to look at this deeper, but how God does it, we don't know. All you can see is the effects of the wind. It blows where it listeth. You can hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. No one can explain the movements of the wind that it blows past you, it goes past you, it turns around and comes back. Do you know that? Nobody knows. But the fact is this. You can feel its effects. You can see it. And so we can know, we can take a litmus test of our life. We can look in the mirror and we can understand whether we are born of spirit. The effects are obvious. And like the wind, the Holy Spirit, it works in the same way. We just can't explain it, how the Holy Spirit works. But you know, when you look at the mirror, you can understand whether you are born of the spirit or not. Why? The life is different. Man has changed. The drunkard, he becomes sober. The wife beater, he becomes a loving husband. The curse words, they're put away. And the way we spend our time is different. Our money, our entertainment, our hobbies, our recreation, everything changes. Even the way we dress, it changes. You can look in the mirror and have an assessment of your life and you can understand whether you are born of the Spirit or not. The effects are obvious. How God does it is a mystery, and it always will remain a mystery, okay? But how we can assist in this, and I shouldn't use the word assist, but how we can get on this path to being born of the Spirit, that part is made very clear. 
So let's look at that, okay? Because friends, look, it's possible to be born of water, but not be born of spirit. And this is why, you know, rebaptism is important sometimes. Because some people say, well, I, I, I was sincere, but yes, but you can be sincerely wrong. And even though you were baptized before, you might need to get rebaptized again because you might have never, ever, ever understood what being born of spirit is. And so the being born of water, it was just a symbol, but you never understood it. The heart, I should point here, was never changed. But how, friends? How can we be born of spirit? If you look in the mirror this evening, you realize that your works, the life that you're living, doesn't match up to God and His standard. Then, you need to be born of the Spirit. But how? How can we be born of Spirit? Two steps, or two ways, I should say. Not that they're different, but you got to combine these two steps together. And it's not one comes before the other. It's one A and one B. They're really, you should do these two in tandem together. Let's go to the Bible. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. And so to be born again, you've got to be born of water. That's baptism. But you have to be born of the Bible. What does that mean? Is there any other biblical evidence for this? Absolutely. Let's go to another text. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Do you see that? We've got to be born of what? The Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is the Word of God that we have to have interaction with. It's the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the number one book bestseller in the world, and yet the most neglected book in the whole world. You know, friends, it is through the Bible that God speaks light into our hearts. He creates pure thoughts to replace the bad and the evil thoughts. He changes our hearts and minds through the power of His Word. Friends, it is possible to go to church every week and not be born of the Spirit. It's possible to participate in, in church activities and, and not be born of the Spirit. It's possible to even lead out in church and grow up in a Christian home and not be born of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm not saying that to point to anybody that's listening. That's me. I, was, I grew up in a Christian home. For the first 20, 21 years of my life, I was never born of the Spirit. My, my works, the way I lived my life, the words that came out of my mouth, the thoughts that I was thinking, they were not of Christ. They were all of the world. It's possible to be in a Christian home Go to church every week. And that's one thing that my parents were good at. They made sure that we never missed church. Oh, they were faithful friends. But me, I just went. I had no choice. And it's possible to be at church every week, yet never born of the Spirit. Unless you have an interaction with the Word of God, the possibility to be born of the Spirit is as much as possible as a plant to grow without water. What am I trying to say, friends? It's an impossibility. You can't be born of the Spirit which, without the Word of God. Do you see that? It's impossible. 
I've gone to church all my life and I never really started reading the Bible until I was the age of 20. Look, I had a Bible before. I was baptized at the age of 17, which in many people's eyes is probably late, you know, growing up. But even though I was baptized, I was never born of the Spirit. Even though I brought my Bible to church, I never read it. I never did. I, I knew where the books of the Bible were. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I can repeat the whole 66 books of the Bible uh, back to front, you know. But I never knew Jesus. I never knew about the words that were written in there. I remember when I was, we, we had a church camp when I was young. I remember they had a quiz on the book of Genesis. And man, I hated reading. And Genesis has 50 chapters. I struggled. And I still remember when they gave the quiz, and it was a trivia, you know, a, I think there were three groups. I didn't get a single question right. I knew about the Bible, but I never read it. I took part in church activities, in cell group, in playing the piano. I was even the youth leader. Do you know that? And I drove people around. I was in church choir. I, I joined all these activities that good Christian young people should do. But I never, ever understood what it meant to have devotional life. I never understood what it meant to read the Bible. It was just something I never did. And as a result, I was never born again. Friends, look, it's possible to play church, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But that's not what helps you to see the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying that the pastor never preached truth. I'm not saying that the people that were in cell groups, they never taught the Bible. No, it's just my mind wasn't there. When I was at church, what was I doing? I, was, I took the bulletin, you know, the piece of paper that tells you, you know, what's coming next in church service and what's going to happen next week and the tithe and all this information. I'll take that and fold ships and paper planes and uh, cranes, you know, the, the birds you make out of, it's like origami. That's what I was doing. Or I, I was thinking about what to do after church or what to do when, when the sun sets and what we can do that night with the youth. And it, it, it was, you know, I wasn't daydreaming thinking about my work or my assignments or the girl that I liked. You know, I wasn't dreaming about all those things. It was good things, but the Word of God never just sunk in at all. You see, friends, born again is intentional. You have to take time aside to read the Word of God, to study it, to meditate on it, not just listen to it while you're driving, or while you're cooking, or while you're exercising, or while you're, you know, doing your chores and scrubbing the toilet, or, or vacuuming, or mopping. It's intentional time with Jesus, allowing Him to replace your thoughts with His. Your ways with His ways. Your character with His character. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. He never read the Bible. He knew about it, just as many of us, we don't need to read the Bible to know John 3, 16 and quote it off the top of our heads, right? In fact, we're going to look at this in a minute. But then what did, what did Nicodemus teach? Look at this. Matthew 15, 1 to 3. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees. You see Pharisees there? which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tra tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God 
by your tradition. You see, that's all the Pharisees and Nicodemus knew. It was the tradition of the Jews. He didn't understand the truth. He understood tradition. And he just regurgitated from the schools of the, the rabbinical schools, right? Where he was taught is this is how it is and that's what it is. That, that's what tradition is. Sometimes it doesn't even need to make sense. It's just we've done it this way all our lives and we've done it this way for the past 500 years. Who are you to come uh, think that you're any different to change our ways? If my father and my great-grandfather and my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather did it, it's good enough for me. And many times we don't, we don't question tradition. But that's all Nicodemus knew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a pastor. And yet Jesus saw through all of that. And he saw that he never spent time in that which mattered, the Word of God. The Bible. So friends, we've got to spend time there. It's got to be intentional time. But secondly, how else can we be born of the Spirit? Let's go to another text. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Friends, how do we receive the Holy Ghost that we can be born of the Spirit? we got to ask. we got to pray. And that's what it is. It's intentional time in reading the Bible and spending time in prayer. Not just simply because you're standing there ready to eat. No, friends. If you want to change, if you want to be different, if you want to be more stable in life, if you don't want to be always allowing your emotions to get the better of you, if you want to be able to grow in grace and faith, if you want to have a stronger character in the Lord, if you want to be loving and patient and kind and gentle and all these good things, you've got to spend intentional time in His Word and in prayer. Our alone time with God, friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where true Christianity begins. So do you know why we struggle? We struggle with all these things. It's because our, our eyes are set on worldly things. Our eyes are, are set on all the things of, that, that, that are just contrary to God or, or that distract our attention. And uh, it's not because we don't want to be good. It's just we live in this age of distraction, you see. We're not spending time where it really matters. Friends, if we want a new heart, if we want to be born again, it has to be intentional. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make an appointment with Jesus. We have to go back to Jesus and ask Jesus to help us. Help me to be born again of the Spirit and not just of water. As we spend that time with Christ, the Word of God, is making impressions upon our hearts. And at the point that a person changes, decides to give up a cherished idol or sin, it's not because of they themselves. It's the Holy Spirit that's working upon their hearts and wooing them to Christ. And the truth um, is making an impression upon their hearts and convicting them of sin. When people respond to appeals of preachers, it's not the preacher, but the Holy Spirit that is working. You know that? Sometimes we go to these conferences or we go to these seminars or we go for these, um, you know, different 
sermons that we listen and, and maybe sometimes uh, the young person gets up and stands there and listens to the sermon and they come back and tell their mom, Mom, I want to be a missionary or I want to go to Bible school. And the mom thinks that the preacher must have done something. They must have put something in the water. Someone must have been pushing them forward, making them want to quit school or quit their job and go and serve Jesus. But friends, we've got to be careful because the Holy Spirit makes impressions upon their hearts. And you can never go wrong serving Jesus. Anything good that turns us to Christ, that is the Holy Spirit wooing us and leading us and pulling us. But Nicodemus, he was shocked. And you know what he said? John 3, 9 to 10, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? He had no idea what it meant to be born again. He probably had never spent but a few moments with Christ in the Scriptures. Tradition had blinded his eyes. His whole Christian life had just about been forms and traditions. Nicodemus' world has just been shaken by Christ and he's left speechless. But now Christ tries to deepen his understanding of how he can be born again. Look at this. John chapter 3, 14 and 15 now. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, Nicodemus was familiar with this story. He knew what Jesus was talking about when the Israelites were dying from the sting of fiery serpents that came and bit them in the wilderness. God instructed Moses to make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole and gave this simple instruction, he said to the people, if you look at it, you'll be healed and you'll live. That was it. As simple as it sounded, many people did not look. As simple as it sounded, as easy as it was to do, many people did not look. It sounded too simple. That was the problem. All they had to do was look and live. Some might have questioned the efficacy, the power of this brazen serpent. How can I look at this pole and this serpent and be healed? Never heard of such a thing. Others demanded a scientific explanation, but no explanation was given. They just had to accept the Word of God. To them, through Moses, they just had to look and live. That's all they had to do. But many people perish because they just refuse to lift up their heads and look. And then Christ repeats the lesson, you know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you notice what the difference was between John 3, 14 and 15 and John 3, 16? You see, in verse 15, it is very similar to what we see in verse 16, right? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But there is the word believe again. But we understand from verse 14 and 15 that that word believe is connected to just what? Look. Looking. All you have to do is look to Jesus and you will live. Well, where do we find Jesus? Where do you find Jesus today? It's not me, it's not the pastor, it's not 
anybody that's of rank. It's not your mom or dad. Where do you find the clearest picture of Jesus? It's the Bible. And the only one that can really give us a true representation today is the Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the only one that can dwell in us and help us to be like Jesus. All you need to do is look and live. All you need to do is look to Jesus. All you need to do is look to the Bible. It's not complicated, friends. It's not difficult. You don't have to climb the highest mountain. You don't need to go down to the deepest valley to find Jesus there. Right now, where you are, in your room, in your car, you can just stop the side of the road. All you need to do is look and live. That's all. It really is that simple. Salvation really is that simple. But many people are not looking. That's all. What does it mean to be born of the water and the Spirit, especially the Spirit? is devotional time. Just look at the Bible. Just spend time with Jesus. Is it really that difficult? It is in this generation. I'll admit, there are days that I wake up late and the first thought of my mind has not been Christ. Jesus, He is the author and finisher of our faith. But He wants to be the best of our time. He wants to be first and last. He wants to be the beginning and the ending of our time as well. Christ, He's telling us, if you want to be saved, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, all you need to do is look. If you seek me and search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. All you need to do is look. Friends, you want to grow in Christ? You want to go beyond a formal religion? You know, people out there say, oh, religion is it's horrible. It's created all these wars. Yeah, it's those people that are like Nicodemus who are religious leaders but have never understood what it meant to be born of the Spirit. If you want to go beyond that, you want to have meaning in your Christian life, meaning when you go to church, you got to start with Christ. You have to find Jesus first in your morning devotions, in your walk with Christ, because He's the one that gives meaning. He's the one that gives motivation. He's the one that gives fulfillment in it all. He's the one that helps us to understand why sacrifice is all worth it. It's not found in the doing in and of itself. You can't replicate a good marriage and do all the good things if you don't love the person that you're married to. And so it is with the religion. It can't have any meaning unless you understand who that person is and why you're making all these sacrifices, friends. But it's got to start right there this evening. Look and live. It really is that simple. Theo theologians are the ones that have made it complicated. But, you know, we're at the end of the year already. Less than a week, we're in the new year. 
if there's any New Year's resolution that you got to make, it's looking and living. <laughs> it's spending time more in His Word. This pandemic has made us all have more free time. You don't have to travel. You don't have to, and, and, and by mean, when I say travel, you don't have to travel to work. That takes up time. And maybe, you know, you, some of you are saying, I've been more busy. I've been more busy too. But I have had areas of time where I have been more free to do other things that have made me more busy, you see. But all of us have had time to look. To look to Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. And it's not even about a New Year's resolution. Don't wait for six days to pass before you say, Christ, I'm going to decide now. I want you to decide this evening, friends. No more formal religion. No more just a form of it. You want to have meaning and understanding as to why you serve Jesus. Why you do all these things. No matter how tired you are. No matter how, how, how much sacrifice it requires. There's got to be a reason behind it. And you've got to know that reason. Today, you've got to look and live. I want to challenge some of you. You've been uh, hesitant about having Bible studies. And, you know, why do some people need to have Bible studies? It's because you don't have time to look and live for yourself. You don't. If you did, you'd be on fire for Jesus. But friends, I want to challenge you. If you don't know where to start and you're in KL, I'm sorry, I cannot serve the whole world and whoever else is watching from whichever country, I'm, I'm sorry, I really am. But we have Bible workers here in KL and we're willing to come out to you. If you're in Klang, we'll drive all the way there just so that you can have an opportunity to look and to live. It's not about joining a church. It's not about any of that. It's so that you can know Jesus. We will come to you. But you've got to be willing to make that time. Friends, what will it be? Will you take up the challenge? As we pray, I hope that you pray with me in your hearts and that you renew your vow to Christ. You renew your relation to Him, relationship to Him this evening. No more plain church. It's time to really understand Christ for who He really is and to walk with Him and have a deeper relationship with Him. Let's pray, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, You're so patient with all of us as You were with Nicodemus. You're so gracious. And You make salvation so simple, so easy. It's we that have made it complicated. It's us who have brought in too much into our lives that we're just distracted all the time. Help us, Lord, to make time for you today. Help us just to look so that we can live. Father, please be with my brothers and sisters here. No one is too busy to look. Help us, Lord, not to question how you're going to do it. Just help us to believe that you can do it. And so as we search for you, as we seek you, as we find you, 
may you create in us a clean heart. Wash us again and renew us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.